Welcome to Building Better Businesses, Stories of Decisive Action, a podcast dedicated to helping inspire and support businesses starting out on their sustainability journeys by learning from others who are already working towards becoming better. Join me, Susie Golding, Director for Mullenloaf Sustainability. And me, Esther Chang, Executive Director of Global Compact Network Singapore, as we talk to businesses, big and small, in Asia who are already turning good intentions into impactful actions. Today, we're joined by Nicole and Nicholas Ng, the siblings behind Food Services. And I wanted to start really by asking both of you, can you share a little bit more about food services? So for everyone listening who isn't aware of you guys and what you do, can you tell us a little bit about your history? So how did the business come to be? I think it's been in our blood for more than 80 or close to 90 years now. We've always been in food distribution, started uh, during my grandfather's time. Uh, and we've kind of like evolved with the various decades uh, and you know how the industry has evolved as well. So from roadside stores to from a small provision shop uh, to evolve to where we are today, even uh, dabbling in alternative protein. So we currently serve about close to 4,000 over F&B establishments uh, with a basket of products. Uh, that's also 4,000 over items. Anything from your cling films uh, to your flour, uh, your oil, you know, alternative protein, vegetables and everything else in between. And you guys have been around for so long, you know, 80, 90 years of, of, of heritage. And yet, you know, being sustainable was very much in the mindset of your company when it was first started. And of course, now we see lots of businesses on their own sustainability journey. But you guys were really sort of pioneers on that front. Well, interestingly, when you mentioned that, that sentence, Susie, um, it brings me back to a story that I've heard about my grandfather. In fact, I think um, those in the olden days, when you don't have a lot, you tend to waste less. Yeah, and I, I, I truly remember this story that my 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 dad, my late father actually uh, shared with me is that even just two little green beans fell on the floor, my grandfather would actually pick it up and put it back into the sack, right? Because every single little bean means money, you know, and, and that means you are able to cook with it or you are able to sell it or, or, or something. You know, and I and I think those were the true days of what um, sustainability was all about. And it can be just as simple as that, like appreciating what you have. But with industrialization, post World War Two, you know, um, all of us have lived through a generation where, or generations, or uh, for the for the last 30, 40 years, where everything was ample, everything was ready, everything was mass produced. Um, you take to you, you tend to take less care. In, uh, in thinking of where the products actually come from anymore because you just think that a, a chicken is a chicken, you know, uh, you know, and, and it's definitely safe to eat. You know, you don't think too much about it. You know, where does the grains come from? Is that chicken sustainable? You know, for example. You've clearly always been a sustainable business. And what is that journey looking like for you now? I think the business model, maybe for those listening in, they may not get a picture of actually what we do, but we are like the... We, are, we were like the modern day e-commerce guys, right? We're just in time, you order only what you need, you know, and everything is very piecemeal, small drop sizes. So literally, um, our business model itself, it's considered sustainable where we're helping our customers to, they, they literally do not need to order that much, which means that they waste less. 
And actually for our end, and, and uh, thankfully, I think till today, we also do not then throw away too much because whatever the customers order, it's not for like stockpiling or something. They, they really genuinely order what they need to use for the next day. So it's always what they order, they, they finish using it. So we're hoping that if this model continues, despite, despite it being a little bit more uh, labor intensive in that sense, but it really helps to uh, reduce um, food waste you know, uh, yeah, so these are some of the things, yeah. Just to add, I guess, uh, besides the all program that we've done for so many years, uh, we we currently still recycle our carton boxes because most of the stuff we sell is actually loose in bottles and in cans and all. So we, to deliver to the customer, we actually sell loose. So uh, you could order two bottles of ketchup, one packet of rice, one packet of pasta and all that. So what we did was we actually recycled the carton boxes and we put all these loose items in the carton box and we deliver it. So we don't use any additional plastics. Uh, we don't buy additional plastic boxes, tote boxes and all that. And we just deliver it to the customer. Usually you give the customer the carton box and hopefully they recycle the box after that. What we are going to do in the coming year is that we are going to embark on uh, our warehouse management system. So currently we are already, I guess, already saving more paper because instead of using a, a dot matrix printer. So uh, now we use digital printers. So it's a lot faster and less paper. Uh, when in this coming year, when we use that warehouse management system, we will be using uh, handheld uh, PDA, uh, PDA machines. So we'll be scanning the barcodes and picking it. And then again, we will reduce the paper reused. And of course, one another low-hanging fruit that Nicole, I guess she didn't mention just now, it's we actually recycle our printing paper. So, so if we really had to print paper, uh, we actually use the, the we actually use the other side of the paper instead of throwing it away, and then we just put it back in the printer and we just print it out. <laughs> and one, I guess one one last one for us is uh, at least my plan now is to actually push our office guys who, who drive company cars now to use electric cars. We actually think it's, it's, it's really good to try and use electric cars straight away. Uh, first, try and convince the office team because some of them do have phobia of like, what if I run out of petrol and all that. So, uh, and with that, and if you convince the, the warehouse logistic guys to their own cars use electric, and then after that, they, we can slowly convince them to try and use uh, commercial cars uh, or electric once the technologies are good enough. And so clearly as a business, um, you know, you just haven't stayed still. You've moved on, you've innovated, um, and that's helped you become more sustainable as a business. And what about your customers? What are you doing to involve them in that process? What are you doing to help them live a more sustainable lifestyle? So our customer makes itself the 4,000 over of them. You've got anybody that runs a hawker store to your large chain accounts and, of course, the likes of the large hoteliers as well. Um, honestly, sustainability is something that is very daunting to most of them. And even for the employees that are working for the large hoteliers sometimes, the very laymen, I mean, what is sustainability? It's just a buzzword, right? And it's like, you know, what is it to go green? You know, like, do I go vegetarian on a certain number of days in a week or... The understanding of it um, makes it a very daunting task for the very layman. And actually, in our industry, this is actually what um, what we are facing. So, because I, I think Nicholas and I, from day one, um, we've always realized that uh, we are in a very simple business of filling people's tummies, right? 
And we've always wanted to use our the little influence that we have. We, we are not a very large company. We're a small SME. But with every person that we touch, every customer that we touch, every point that we deliver to, are we able to share certain things with them? So, which is why it makes the both of us, we are a little bit more dynamic in searching beyond our industry. That means we don't just look within our peers. You know, like when we were able to travel, you know, Nicholas would just say, hey, you know, there's this very interesting, you know, natural food show, you know, he'll be there like two, three times, you know, and then they, because they are ahead of the curve and we wanted to bring certain trends, usable trends back to Singapore, whether it takes off or not, we don't know, but at least we have that knowledge and that we are able to share with the movers and shakers that's that's based in, 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 in Singapore. The F&B industry in Singapore has uh, evolved quite a fair bit from even, say, five years ago. So, uh, yet it's still very hard to convince everybody because Singapore is still very cost sensitive and everything, but there have been more and more people that are aware and they realize that they need to start selling such products or talking such language so that the customers will come back to them. So it's not, it's a bit like, and of course they believe in it too, right? So it's a bit like us at the start where we started doing all recycling of the oil and all that. And, and it was because we wanted to do it. It wasn't because we could earn money from it. It wasn't because I wanted to earn brownie points with the customers. It's just because we believed in it. And it's the same thing now with the with our customers and especially the younger generation and the I guess the second, third generation guys that starting the business or taking over family restaurants and all. They they realize that I need to start selling some plant based food products. And then then I can get the new customers to come in. I can't always depend on the auntie and uncle eating in my restaurant for the last 30 years <laughs> and they, they hopefully they'll be around for the next 20 30 years after that so i think uh, the plant-based and the the alternative protein movement it's it's very big thank you that's fantastic um the momentum and urgency for sustainability has certainly ramped up very much in the last several years and another word that's often uh, mentioned here is also uh, digitalization so I was wondering, you know, in, in terms of using innovation technology, how has food services leveraged uh, innovation technology to advance the sustainability journey? But what we have done also is to implement the procurement order uh, platforms where it's fully integrated with our backend. So now, um, actually, this year, we're still continuing this work where all the orders that are pushed in from our clients, we're hoping that it will just connect with our backend or ERP system. So literally, there is lesser human intervention that's required and less paper that might need to even go through this uh, process as well. Um, and I think importantly is, uh, I think now two and a half, three years already, we have implemented a fleet management Actually, it was even earlier than that. I think we implemented our first dinosaur fleet management system, I think, uh, eight, nine years ago. And it, those were the early stages where we really wanted to monitor uh, the petrol consumption, you know, and where the guys were, you know, were they like lingering around or driving around on weekends, wasting petrol or whatever else. But it was very much more for monitoring uh, the health of the vehicles. But with modern technology, and we have embarked on our fleet management uh, 2.0, actually, um, now it's very interesting right on that on that map you're able to uh, be more cost efficient 
but time efficient as well and help the guys to be more efficient with a, a single tank of fuel because they will actually guide you along like which are the best locations, how you should plan your route. But when it was left to the humans, um, you would actually be going to your more familiar routes, right? And actually it might be wasting more diesel or whatever from there. So I, I think these are a few um, digitization uh, projects that we've done. As well as everything that you're doing, which is a huge amount. And um, you're also known for being the founders of the Food Bank in Singapore. And I know last time we spoke, you you, you told us a shocking statistic of over 10% of people in Singapore face food insecurity, which I was sort of blown away by. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about why you came to set up the Food Bank and sort of what is that, what is that evolving into now? So what we did in 2012 was that we actually decided to take all these excess food items and we thought we should redistribute it or donate it to beneficiaries. So a beneficiary could be an old folks home, a children's home, a soup kitchen. And we thought that would be an easy way to just give back to the needy, uh, give back to society and reduce food wastage. Both of us, whether we were smart or we were silly or crazy, we decided, okay, why don't we just go ground up and write to schools, write to anybody that was willing to listen to us. We did advocacy. We went around talking to people, say, why don't you donate items to us? We talked to our suppliers. We talked to our friends. Uh, if you got excess food items, why don't you give it to us? Uh, it started very, very slowly. So in 2012, when we first started, we redistributed about two tons of food. So that's about 2,000 kilos. And uh, I guess putting in perspective, in 2020, no thanks to COVID. Uh, nobody wants COVID anywhere, but we redistributed over a thousand tons of food in 2020. So it is, uh, I always tell people if it was a business, we would be really happy, <laughs> but it's not, it's not a business. It's really not for profit. And the other thing was that we were very big on ensuring that the food bank was operating like a business. In many sense of the word, for example, in terms of uh, accreditation, where, you know, we are registered as a company. So we, we are governed by the company laws, it's limited by guarantee, but we're also governed by the charity rules as well. So whenever we distributed food, food safety was top on our minds. That means it's not just about doing good, right? We don't want to give... We want to get backlash as well. We want to treat people with respect. So we also went out to, uh, we got a lawyer to, uh, to actually draft a liability document to ensure that the donors are protected. The beneficiaries are also protected. And then with this piece of paper, basically people accept or the huge chain accounts, the Singapore Airlines started pivoting to us because we are the only person that valued food safety, sustainability, so if you if we operated like a corporate, right, which means a little bit more professional than just your run of the mill ground up, it made a significant difference, you know. And I think both Nicholas and I we we kind of walk the talk in in a lot of the things that we do. I mean, so much so that you know we, we don't earn a single cent from the food bank, right? But now people know us more. Like even my own kids, right? We think that oh, you know, uh, you you guys are food bankers. They actually don't know what we do in our day jobs, right? And, and that's the, the interesting uh, part of it all, you know, and, and in today's world, especially over the last two or three years, things have been very entangled, but in a good way, where even our customers, especially the larger ones, feels that um, our company deserves a second conversation for the business side of things, simply because they feel that the business um, actually resonates 
you know, whatever the, our own values actually kind of resonates with with their values as well. So, um, but but yeah, so this is the food bank. You've talked about the importance of digitalization in the food services business, but what about the food bank? Is digitalization also important for its future? In order to take big strides in changing the world or helping people, we needed big data. And a lot of times, especially in the local context, there isn't any big data when it comes to, so how many hungry people are there? How many people are homeless, for example? How many people you know, are, are in need or whatever else? There isn't proper statistics. So I've, I've um, told and shared with the team that actually everything that we do, once we digitize it, because it goes through something, a platform or whatever, there will always be some kind of a data that's being captured. I guess the digitization efforts has really ramped up over the last two, three years. Uh, for example, we have we have what, what we call now we have our uh, bank card. So we are using bank cards now. It is almost like a, a ATM card of sorts that we are giving away to uh, needy families. And what we do is we are rolling out vending machines together with it, where we have uh, dry rations vending machines and frozen food vending machines. So essentially, what happens is that we're giving these cards with. Uh, with credits in there and which can be remotely topped up. So they don't have to go to somewhere to top it up. We'll top it up at the end of the month, every month. And then what they, would, they can do is they go to these vending machines and they can redeem for food products or even frozen food. So uh, we started venturing into frozen food, which means uh, properly caught cooked food in the sense that because a lot of people were coming to us saying that there was a need, a really strong need. There were people that didn't know how to cook or couldn't cook for whatever reason. So the dry rations would be things like your tea, your coffee, your instant noodles, canned meat, and that sort of stuff. But then the frozen food, what happens now is that we actually, it's actually a frozen food vending machine and you press whatever meal you want and we have an attached microwave. And all you do is just, it pops out and then you put it in a microwave, you press a button, you heat up the food, they eat hot food at any time of the day. So regardless whether you're working in the middle of the night or in the day, you just come back, you want to eat hot food, you just pop it in, redeem it, pop it in, and it comes out. And I guess another thing that we, we are rolling out or we are trying to roll out right now, it is using uh, what we call a virtual food bank. So... What we want to do is try to, I guess in Nicole's words, she used this all the time, we try to put ourselves out of business where if a supermarket has two bananas for donations. So in the normal circumstance, you can imagine that they will call us, we will go down and collect it, and then we'll bring it back to the warehouse. And then the next day, we might just go back to somewhere five minutes away from the supermarket and donate those two bananas if it was a spoke. So what happens now is that if we use this app and if the supermarket there, we are trying to link up. It's almost like, what's Nicole's words get? It's almost like Tinder. Tinder, but for, for food donations. So basically it's matching. It's matching the supermarket nearest to the beneficiary. So if it was in Tiongbaru, for example, the supermarket there might just list it up that I have two bananas and then the beneficiary nearby would actually look at it like, oh, I can walk by five minutes away, I can go pick it up, and it goes. And then it's a match made in heaven, right? And everybody get happily married and everything. <laughs> so I'm curious, how do you foresee food services uh, to evolve in this uh, 
in this new sustainable future and helping to advance the future of FMB in Singapore? Um, one of the things that FMB is not is not sustainable when it comes to fit out. So the, you know, um, I, I'm on this particular group chat where you know some FMBs are closing, you know, and I see the kind of waste that they generate, right? So it's not just the renovation materials, the paint, um, the amount of equipment, the amount of cutlery. So actually, um, uh, we have already planned to start a company that specializes in uh, retrofitting restaurants or you know any particular FMB or retail outlets with a hundred percent circular economy uh, uh, panels. Uh, and it will be on a subscription basis, which means that, you know, you, you just become a member. So every time you need to move an outlet, you want to change a concept, we'll just dive right in and then we'll help you to do a swap out, you know, uh, in 24 hours, for example. So a bubble tea shop can become a, a coffee chain if they want it to be. And all the materials there are either reused, recycled, redone, whatever. So it's a completely green retrofitting uh, kind of business model. So um, th this is this is one uh, important aspect that we're going. And then the other thing that we're also dabbling um, with additional uh, services that we're providing is two prompts, right? So firstly, is like other food service companies all around the world, um, they are helping uh, customers to create menus. Because sometimes when you give people ingredients, they don't know quite know what to do with it because they're trained in a certain culinary way or, you know, they're just very accustomed to cooking in a certain way. But if you provide the service to create certain menus for them, then they can just take the dish and then, you know, the cost, you know, how much I can sell it for, for example. So that's also en enabling some of our customers to be a little bit more green or um, sustainable. And one important thing that is, it can sound very, very simple to a lot of the listeners out there, but it's about helping them to manage their indoor inventory. So currently, they they actually guess roughly what's uh, needed tomorrow because they don't really do a projection. There isn't a simple off-the-shelf kind of a, a solution yet for most of them. You know, the, the, the chefs will just say, oh, every day I'm using two cartons of uh, pasta. But do they really use two cartons of pasta, for example? So they don't know, they don't really know whether there's a projection, like if it's a Sunday tomorrow, you know, do they use a little bit more? So if we're able to provide a very affordable platform where they can help to forecast or gauge their inventory requirements, it will also then help to bring their costs down, but importantly, help to bring the food waste down as well. And I think the other thing that's really exciting, I mean, we're hoping that, um, we can invite everybody, you know, the listeners, yourselves, you know, to come and visit our brand new building. Within the building itself, there are a couple of solutions that we have already uh, put in place since uh, 2017, actually, when we started planning for this building. Um, so firstly, um, our solar panels is being uh, put up on our rooftop. So we've got a beautiful rooftop that's close to 100,000 square feet. It does take away 100% of the energy. But, uh, I mean, we still need to buy you know, from, the, from the grid and all that. But it does help. Uh, and then the other thing is that we have a food digester. Uh, you know, downstairs, you know, where all the rubbish is and because we have a lot of uh, food items, right? So we have got food digester as well that um, can be converted uh, into like water and things like that. There's more to come because uh, by next month, you come to our restaurant and it's called the Supper Club with an X. And this is where it gets really, really interesting. You, um, in partnership with the Walk People, who's helping us to run this restaurant, um, 
okay, we are going to serve only locally grown vegetables. So we are going to support the local agri-tech. Then the second thing is, to much of the dismay of my brother, um, I plan to go 100% meatless if possible. Yeah, we, we, we wanted to show everybody that even, you know, a staff cafeteria, you're able to just showcase the alternative protein in the, in the simplest forms, right? And everybody can consume. It is actually a very, very uh, good ingredient to have when you're mindful about religion, mindful about the different races that are, you know, living amongst us. And then the other thing is that it will be cashless. It will be even cutless at some point because it's just facial recognition. You scan your face, Esther, you get your bowl of noodles, right? So basically it's tapped to different technologies, even within the, the ecosystem. It's fantastic. We always say at, you know, at GCNS that little actions really go a long way. And as we uh, move towards the 2030 deadline, we really need to mobilize individuals, companies, big and small, to uh, take action for to build a better future. So with that, I wanted to ask, you know, what advice would you give to the other companies, especially SMEs, when it comes to building a better business? For, for me, most of when everybody asks me or anybody asks me, uh, other SMEs and all that, uh, most of all, it's, it's believe in what you're doing, regardless of whatever you're doing. If you want to adopt technology or adopt sustainability, pick all the low-hanging fruits first. So if you have a lot of stakeholders, you have to satisfy the stakeholders, convince the stakeholders, uh, even your own staff is all the stakeholders. Use the low-hanging fruits, make it simple, make it easy, uh, small wins first, and convince everybody after that, that. Then if you want to try something bigger, then go ahead and do the bigger, bigger projects. But if you don't start small and you just pop in straight away and say, I want to be carbon neutral in six months and... Uh, 90% of your team doesn't even understand what carbon neutral is, then uh, I think it's, it's going to fail even before it starts. And I, I guess if I, if I wanted to add, is, uh, I think just, just a couple of days ago, I was reading, some, reading a book and all that, and, and why some of the MNCs give free food away. It's, 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 not, it's not really about the cost, but it's, it's more about building that community feel. And I, I think we have done that in our own way, where, I mean, we don't give free food because, again, we are a small SME. But uh, I guess the team always likes to eat lunch together. Uh, they go out for meals together and all that. And, and I think this is where you build the bond. And this is where you also get the best ideas. If, for example, you, you, they are discussing about certain things. So it's not about always, let's call another meeting or let's, especially now this, this one and a half year, let's call another Zoom meeting and ask, oh, what ideas do you have? Everybody would just keep quiet and shut up. <laughs> because nobody dares to talk. But once you go out for meals, you just sit around and just chat around, uh, all the best ideas come out. Then I guess, I guess for all the other SMEs out there, the other companies out there, they always want to know what is the, was there or is there any economical benefit to doing sustainability and adopting all the technology in the world? So I guess for us, it's first we, Never thought that it would bring any additional business. It, it, if you start with that mindset, that is the wrong mindset to go with, first of all. But again, I guess for us, it's, for example, we are, for Marina Bay Sands, we are a very close partner with Marina Bay Sands in all sense of the word now, thanks to food services and thanks to Food Bank. So from food service point of view, we are in close contact, of course, with the purchasers, with the, with the outlet managers, with the chefs and everybody. 
then because of food bank, Nico and I now know the sustainability team. We've met, we've met the chefs again, the executive chefs again, but in the different light. So sometimes we go over the same the different meetings and then executive chef looks at us like, aren't you from food services? Or yes, yes, but we are also food bank. So, so it builds that trust and build that relationship where sometimes you might not have avenues to, to find. So I guess the other thing is that from a, there's this, there's this one great example where this one brand that we are now currently distributing, we never used to distribute these sort of products before, or we used to do it in a very small scale. So when they actually finally decided to appoint us, the main reason why they appointed us versus the other company they were choosing is because we had a CSR. So we, we did all the sustainability things. We had food bank. And that's the only reason why they chose us. And I would like to report that we used to sell these products about half a container a month. Now we're doing about eight to nine containers a month. All because at that time, we had a sustainability program of sorts. We didn't think it was a program. It was just things that we thought we should do. But yeah, I, I, so, so I guess economically, it has sort of paid off. For the SMEs that's listening in, um, there's one very tangible thing that uh, I, I think will, will become that particular return if you're looking to strengthen your relationship with banks or if you're looking for investors. Because I think now a lot more larger uh companies, right? They are really looking at impact investing, for example, or they are really investing in companies that can make some kind of a difference to the world, you know? And so if you are able to strengthen your value proposition within the company in a very valid way, you know, not just about selling fluff, right? Um, it actually makes a difference. So even during difficult times like we are going through right now, um, this has become one of the things that Maybe some of the banks will give us some extra leeway, you know, because we're also doing good. And in time to come, I mean, and all of us know this already, all the big, big, big companies, they will have some kind of a green plan, sustainability plan. We will need to sign on something, make sure there's no child labor involved and all this kind of thing. This day will come sooner than later. And um, I think for the SMEs listening out there, you know, if there was a choice uh, for you to start implementing certain things or looking at different areas of your business, I think, um, I think wait no longer because I, I think the further, the longer you wait, um, you you will be left behind this rat race. And um, yeah, and, and this is something that's really tangible if you're looking for money, right? During tough times like this, uh, you know, the, the more green you are, sustainable or doing good, maybe there's more pockets of gold out there for you to dig so many great takeaways for anyone listening to the two of you you're both obviously very passionate about what you do and that really comes across and that's inspiring in itself but also some really practical um tips and and approaches that you've shared so uh nicole and nicholas Ng from food services thank you so much for your time today thank you